Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball Podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by entrepreneur, podcast host, and military veteran, Donald Dunn. Donald was in the military for 20 years. He then opened up a business, did that for a while. He's a podcast host, and now he's working on building up a nonprofit organization that will help veterans. So we'll we'll be talking to him about that and anything else that he's up to. So, Donald, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? So uh, I came in the military in uh, 94, uh, right out of high school, got married. And, uh, you know, I came in, uh, it was a different time back then. I came in in the need of looking for uh, employment. Uh, so the the breed of people that come in nowadays is, is way different than uh, back then. You know, that was the era of looking for college and and now the post 9-11, you know, we get a different breed of guys that came in. They were looking for the fight and wanted to do more for their country. So there was a huge transition of while I was in. We came in and uh, I served 20 years. I did uh, 68 months um, between Iraq, Afghanistan and uh, Bosnia. I served in uh, 10 years in the special ops community and I was in Korea. Uh Korea, Germany, uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia, and uh, El Paso, Texas is the bases that I was in. And then uh, I retired in 2014 out of uh, Georgia, and that's where we uh, we homesteaded at. We stayed there, and I started a, a trucking company for about six years. And then, uh, as everybody knows, 2021 hit, and... Uh, I was going through a transition with my business and emissions was getting real strict. And I had just bought a uh, brand new truck changing my fleet over and things were as expensive. The company was kind of undercapitalized already. And I, uh, I had taken on this additional debt when COVID hit, I was hauling flatbeds and the infrastructure of America kind of shut down. So I was struggling between having to help take care of my mom and take care of my family, keep the business running. And I made a decision to close my business and uh, take on a job back in the Midwest. And I moved to Missouri to take care of my mother. And uh, I took on a job working as a maintenance supervisor in a, at a mining company. And that's where I kind of found my, uh, my path, you know, up to that point, I was kind of not really happy. You know, I struggled coming out emotionally coming out of the, the military. I went through a lot of the trials that a lot of veterans did between PTSD and, and just not fitting in the transition was real rough. And, uh, I, uh, I came back from that. And, and since I've been here in Missouri, I kind of found my path with, uh, podcasting you know i didn't realize when i started this podcast it was more about bringing on uh 
veterans, our friends, you know, and kind of bringing them back to us because we were missing that, that camaraderie and, and the, the like-mindedness that, you know, we weren't getting that from the civilian counterparts. It was a different mindset and the stories just didn't relate when we would talk about them. And, uh, you know, about halfway through season one, I kind of realized that, uh, you know, this was kind of therapeutic. I was getting some stuff off my chest that I didn't share with my family and, and I didn't talk about with, with friends. And it kind of led from there to, um, season two, where I started having different veterans that I didn't know on the show. And I had, uh, some, uh, musicians that were veterans come on and I discovered a, a problem that is in our community that, uh, I, I didn't, didn't think about, you know, by season two, most of us as a podcaster, I'm sure you're aware of it too. It, it's tough. If, if you're all about stats and, and you just want to be the next Joe Rogan, you're going to get frustrated really quick because, um, you spend money podcasting. You don't make money. <laughs> At least I don't. And, uh, I think a lot of people are under that impression that, you know, if you, if you're podcasting, you're, you're making the big dollars. And, uh, I, I, I did it because I was getting therapy out of it. And when I had these veterans that were trying to become full-time musicians and I seen them singing songs about their stories and their lives and their feelings, I knew whether they knew it or not that, that was therapy. They were, they were telling their stories that they hadn't shared with other people in a way that, that they could express it and, and get it out and at least talk about it versus isolating themselves and becoming a, a statistic. And I knew if people could not continue to do it, that they were going to quit, give up, go find a real job and, and the therapy part would end. So I started a radio station um, and I started it as a business. It was called, it's called Gunroom Radio. It, it's still currently running. You can go to uh, gunroomradio.com. We're now up to three stations and uh, it, there's Simplify Country, uh, Ranger Rockwave, uh, our rock channel, and then our Vet Mix, which is just a, a mix of all sorts of genres. And, uh, it's all musicians that are unassigned that are trying to become musicians that are either veterans or dependents of veterans. And I did it because I seen that they were having the same problems as a podcaster. You would get buried in the algorithms unless you had a bunch of money to advertise or, or you just had a really good niche that you found and, and you was fortunate enough to, to get known um, so I did it to kind of put them in an area where everybody's songs got played. Everybody got airtime and people got seen. And I, I discovered that it was working, you know, um, there was an organization called operation encore that found a few people and was able to, um, pull those veterans and, and put them with, uh, um, Zach Brown's, uh, camp Southern ground. And, uh, they put them through a, a, a writer's songwriters uh, boot camp, and and they got a lot of good uh, connections with a lot of good people in the industry down there. 
Um, there's been a few that were invited to join Operation Encore, which is a, an amazing 501c that if, if you're ever fortunate enough to get invited to be a part of them, you know, good things will come your way. They just, they're, they're a small organization and they don't have the funds to take on. They only usually take three to five uh, veterans a year, but uh, they will help um, put you through some songs. They'll get some songs recorded. They will get you um, in through the, the Nashville area. They'll get you through some uh, training with some of the industry people down there. And then they also pay for your flights and traveling to any of the gigs that they, they can get you. And so it's a good leg up to get you started. And, and they were found through some of those guys were found through the, uh, the radio station as well. Um, and some of these guys are, are really good. I mean, really, really talented. They just, they just haven't been seen. And uh, the very, I'll give you for example, the very first person, the very first artist that, that gave us his music and, you know, we had nothing to do with this. Um, but uh, he, he agreed to let us play his music, just got signed um, with a label company and is doing a duet with Dolly Parton right now. And so he's an unfortunate one. And like I said, we had nothing to do with that. He, he is just super talented and he's got an amazing story, you know, two purple hearts and, uh, um, an incredible story. His name's Scotty Hastings. You can find him all over the web, but, uh, you know, that's the type of stuff that, that we wanted to see come from it. And so from that, I, I, I didn't want it to be a business, but in order to get through the copyright and, uh, everything, it, it had to become a business. And so I started there and then I decided to take it the next step. And that's where the nonprofit, um, came from, which is heroes voices, media foundation, um, and there we've started with our podcasters and streamers. Um, it's called Military United Podcast Streams. That's the pr- uh, project for them. And then we've got the radio station for our musicians. And then we're, I'm writing the program now for our authors. It's called Warrior Words. And uh, there'll be a program for them. We'll get some uh, good authors in there and, and publishers to help them um, get their stories out and, and everything else. And then uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, our TV channel will be built and we will have our first uh, Roku channel. And uh, shortly after that, our Apple TV channel will be live as well. So wow, that is, you, you, are that is big. you are doing it big. <laughs> so, so when you were in the military, uh, did you, did you, were you involved in any combat? And if you were, what, what was that like? Okay, everybody, it's Michael E. Cullen II. And I'm Sesame Encarta from the All Too Real 2 podcast. We're passionate about movies, TV, and pretty much all things pop culture. Dive into the chaos of failed sitcoms, direct-to-video sequels, and the quirky realms of cinema and TV. Join us every Thursday for your dose of All Too Real 2 entertainment. We'll guide you through debates like whether Howard the Duck qualifies as a superhero. Ponder if Larry the Cable Guy could be the new rock 
or Schwarzenegger. Discover if some shows and movies should have stayed in the cutting room. Ever heard of a sitcom featuring that dictator with the funny mustache? Well, we watched it. We're dedicated to unraveling the peculiarities of pop culture, sometimes with awesome guests. So, if you're into the eccentric world of pop culture, listen and subscribe to All Too Real 2. Available wherever you find podcasts and on Age of Radio. So my first uh, deployment was Bosnia um, and, and, you know, I just finished a book and I haven't decided if I'm going to publish it. So I'll kind of back up just a little bit. That was kind of a, a real quick overview of my life. And, and sometimes I kind of go through it fast, but I'll back up. So 1998 um, was my first deployment. It was uh, Bosnia was, uh, a they considered a peacekeeping mission at that time. So it wasn't considered a combat zone. And, uh, it was, uh, designed at that time. We were, we were over there to keep the peace and kind of help enforce their, their stand, their government back up and try to find some of the 1.5 million landmines that were unknown of their, uh, area. And so that was a, uh, you know, that was a rude awakening. And, and I, and I put this in my book. Um, so the book that I wrote was to my kids. I wrote the book for my kids and my wife, because like I said, when I, when I got out, um, I went through a transition. When I came in, I was a, a funny guy. I like to tell stories and, and make people laugh and, you know, just have those little contests where I'd make fun of you and we'd see who could make fun of each other the best. And, and all that went away by the time I was, I was gone. And, uh, when I, when I got out, you know, I was, planning suicide and, and trying to figure out the way to take care of my family without me being here. And that darkness, you know, happened about the time that my kids were in their crucial ages. And I never talked about the combat part and the stuff that went on over there. It was, you know, the smile when I came home and life was good and there was never anything wrong. And so my kids and my wife, you know, didn't, you know, my wife knew that things were not right, but she didn't know what had happened. And so I felt I owed them at least an explanation of what I was going through so they can put, you know, at least a, a reasoning behind why I was the way I was and, and what had happened. You know, it wasn't a, it's not an apology. It's not a, it's not anything more than just answers. And so I just finished it um, this last week. And I just emailed it to them and I've left it up to them on whether they want me to publish it or not, but, uh, it was wrote for them to give them that. So I, in the book, I put that, uh, Bosnia was kind of an unfair assessment for what was coming up. And, and, and I say that because what was coming up was a different war. And, uh, over there, when you heard boom, you froze. You didn't dive on the ground. Um, it wasn't so much worried about people shooting at you. It was when you heard boom, that meant somebody said stepped on a mine and there was an explosion from a, a mine that had either washed down from the rains that, you know, had eroded because these mines had been put everywhere. Um, you know, this was a war that was happened between religions. These people were neighbors and one was one religion. Another was another religion. And when the war broke out, 
the neighbors one day would just wake up and plant mines in their neighbor's yard. And there was no map of where they were planted. You know, when you were walking around Bosnia, the kids, if it wasn't concrete, the kids did not walk on it because they knew it was not safe. And, uh, I tell everybody, and it's unfortunate, but when we drove to Bosnia, and, and I'll never forget this, when we crossed over from Croatia into Bosnia across that bridge, it was literally like toothpaste had stopped at that bridge and never made it into Bosnia because the country had been robbed of just natural, normal, everyday things that we take for granted. You know, the the people, they're they're hygiene you know their teeth were so poor from not being able to do personal hygiene the first building i seen that i I really looked at was a school and it was covered in uh you know 50 cal machine gun round holes that had been shot up and and i just remember driving by these people that were taken and cutting up their grass and burning their grass to keep warm because it was cold as we were coming in so you know, I realized real quick that I was fixing to experience something that I've never seen before, you know, how, how horrible things can be. And, uh, I thought at that time that was evil and that was what war was. And, uh, when I later deployed, so my first actual deployment happened in, uh, February of 2002. So nine 11, September uh, 2001, uh, I deployed February of 2002 for the first time to Afghanistan. And, uh, I discovered really quick what war really was and what evil really was. And, uh, that, that is a whole different place. And I spent the majority of my, my deployment. So out of, out of the 68 months, nine months was spent in Bosnia and probably another 15 months was spent in Iraq and the rest was Afghanistan. So I'm, I'm very familiar with Afghanistan and, and the people over there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a place I don't care to ever go back to. So what, what was the worst day of your life uh, during your military career, whether it was being deployed or just your worst day? June 28, 2005, nine o'clock in the morning, right at about nine o'clock. I just got back two weeks before, um, two weeks. I'd been back about two weeks, maybe not quite two weeks. Um, we had, uh, just got to work and, uh, we had been informed that one of our aircraft was shot down and, uh, we didn't have any news or info at the time of who casualties. And it was our first time that we have actually gotten to the point that, uh, you know, that was our first up, up to that point. We thought we were invincible. You know, I, we hadn't dealt with us taking any casualties. So, you know, we, we would, uh, go out on missions and, and the people that weren't on mission would all meet out in front of the tents by the burn barrel. And we'd say a few prayers and, and then we'd stand there and talk and, you know, chat through the night while people were out 
conducting missions. And uh, the next morning we'd get up and carry on and people would just magically be back and everything would be good, you know? And that all changed June 28, 2005. They, uh, they were called out as a quick reactionary force and there was eight SEALs and eight of our crew chiefs, uh, three uh, pilots, Major Reich, um, and uh, two warrant officers, buddy of mine, uh, Sergeant First Class Morales and uh, Kip Jacoby, and a couple uh, of the other uh, guys that we borrowed from other battalions had all got called out onto uh, that mission. And uh, when they went to go infill those seals, they were shot by a uh, uh, Taliban um, soldier that uh, shot an RPG into the back of the, uh, the aircraft and it hit the internal fuel tanks and, uh, you know, killed them instantly. And so that was, that was uh, one of the many days and the, and the, the funerals that followed shortly after that for the next few weeks were probably the worst days that, that I've had. So, well, I'm, I'm definitely sorry for your loss and, uh, Thank you for your service and all that you done for the country. Tell us uh, about your podcast and tell us how it got the name and what it's about and what listeners can expect to hear when they listen to it. So the, uh, the podcast is called two drunk dudes in a gun room. Um, it was started by myself and my old first arm. That's why that's where the name came from as far as the two part. Um, and, uh, both of us like to, to drink a little bit and, uh, he owned a little uh, gun business and I would go over and help him build some guns. And we did a little bit of hydro dipping and, you know, decorating and stuff like that. And uh, so we spent a lot of time in his gun room. And uh, so when we decided to create this podcast and, and start bringing on some of our old soldiers, we, uh, we create, we called it two drunk dudes in a, in a gun room. And so that's where we filled season one, filmed season one at was in his gun room. I mean, it had the ammo where we reloaded and, and all of our gun parts and stuff laying around. So, you know, it was, it was about comedy, you know, um, the name, we just thought it was funny. You know, the show had nothing to do with guns or alcohol or, or anything. You know, we literally just brought some of our old soldiers on and just told stories. And uh, that was, what we did for season one and uh, brought a lot of 501 C organizations on that we discovered and uh, places, people that were helping veterans out. And uh, that, that was pretty much all of season one. And uh, after towards the end of season one um, for personal reasons, uh, um, my buddy uh, dropped off the, uh, the show. And so I, I kept the name, because I didn't want to have to rebrand and in case he ever decided he wanted to come back on, um, it would just still be the same thing. But uh, I kept it going and I just, I just went out there and started looking for more guests. And uh, now it has kind of taken on its own thing. So now the guests that I bring on are just anybody that I find that has a story or something that I find interesting. Um, you know, I reach out to them 
and and I bring them on. It doesn't have to be about veteran stuff. It can be about a, a trial, a tribulation. It could be about a, a business. It could be about a, a funny story. I mean, it could be about anything. The only thing I don't really get into is is politics because I just I don't have any interest in it. You know, I, I stick with topics that uh, I find interesting. I like things about technology. I like things. I'm, I'm kind of a science guy. I like science and, and engineering type stuff. And so I kind of stick with those things. You know, I'll have comedians on, I'll have uh, authors on and, and we'll just talk about their topics. And, and that's really what, what the show is. And, and uh, it's, it's a show about a conversation and I, and I relate it to, you know, when you're sitting at that, that little tavern, having a few drinks with a buddy and you're talking about, how your work week went and the, the things that you heard. And, and that's what the show's about is just the unwinding for the week. It just doesn't have to be about anything in particular. It's just about relaxing and having a good time. So this is a two part question. Talk about how combat affects soldiers. And if combat is so hard, why do so many say that they would go back? So that is a good question. And, uh, I have actually talked about that on my show. Um, so it is funny because the reason why so many people say they would go back is because it makes sense. It's the one place where life is simple. You take an, a, a situation where all you have to do is get up, go to work, stay alive, go home. Eat, sleep, wash, rinse, repeat. That's it. You don't have to worry about anything else. Light, you know, you don't have any outside distractions. You are focused on just that. You don't have the the stuff on the news. You don't have the the outside stuff. You don't, you know, there's no outside area where you're going out and, and seeing all the, the stuff that's going on around you, there is no distractions. You, you literally get up and go to work. And as long as you stayed alive that day, life was good. You know, if you didn't, it didn't matter anymore. So that's, that's why a lot of them say we'd go back because when you, when you come back and you were, you were trained to deal with things in that environment. Now, when you come back here, nothing makes sense because the only emotion that the military gives you to deal with anything is anger. So when I'm outside and I'm upset and I'm dealing with something, it turns into anger. I'm now upset with my kid because he did something wrong. It's not uh, a stern talking to it becomes angry. I'm fighting with my wife. It's anger. The car next to me is honking. I'm getting out and trying to pull this guy out of his car and beat his ass because I'm dealing with it with anger. Everything is anger, and uh, that's how you dealt with things over there. You know, when the war first first kicked off in, in Iraq, I'll, I'll give you an example. The, the procedures, if a car tried to get in between you and another vehicle, you pushed them off the road. It did not matter who they were. It didn't matter what was in that car. You pushed them off the road. You did not let them between you and another vehicle. If they continued to try to force them into that, then they became an enemy target. 
life was simple. And when the enemy started putting IEDs and bombs into their bumpers, because we would hit them and ram them, then we had to change our tactics. And then we started letting cars in between our, our vehicles because they would blow up if we hit them. So all we had to do was adjust to the enemy. And when you have to determine and, and you have so many v variables over here compared to over there, everybody says they would go back because life is simple. And that's, in my opinion, that is the reason why so many soldiers say they would go back because they haven't figured out how to adjust to here anymore. Well, tell the listeners out there uh, who might want to assist with your nonprofit organization, what they can do to help, help you guys out. Um, I will tell you, we are in the, the, the growing process. So there's, there's multiple ways you can go to uh, heroes voices, media uh, foundation.org. Um, if you'd like to donate, you can donate there. Um, you can go to gunroomradio.com and just be a listener. It's free. doesn't cost anything. If you own a small bar, you own a, a small restaurant, and you want your your listeners to to listen to to music, you're more than welcome to to play it. You know, um, the the whole purpose is that hopefully somebody is having a festival or you know works at a VFW and 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 hears a uh, a singer and and would like to have them perform and you know hopefully that veteran can get a gig to perform there. You know, we don't take any money or any profits anybody that wants to get in contact with any of those musicians i will gladly put you in contact with them and uh you know you guys can work out the the cost for him to bring his band and and perform you know that is all i do is is connect people to hopefully get them a gig and and a little bit of money in their pockets food on their table so that they can keep driving on with their dream um so that comes from listeners, you know, hopefully people are listening and, and they hear their music and they can tell their friends about those guys and, and hear their stories. And so that's the free thing that people can do. Um, you can follow us on social media at, uh, MUPS, uh, military United podcast streams. You can follow us, uh, my name, Donald Dunn on Facebook. That's, uh, that's my, my page. Uh, you can also uh, go to my uh, website, two drunk dudes in a gun room.com and find my podcast there. And same with on YouTube, just about anywhere. If you type my name or my podcast name on Google, you're going to find the radio station or myself. So tell us about any current or upcoming projects that you're working on besides what you've already told us that people need to know about. So the the big thing that we're we're moving for is like I said the uh, the uh, TV station. Um, I will t I will tell everybody where the big plan is. The big plan is I remember as as a kid, and, and I'm sure you do too. Remember MTV, how awesome it was just to to be able to to listen to music videos. I and, do. Yeah. Well, I want MMTV. I want military music television. And uh, a lot of these artists have made uh, YouTube videos is, is really what they, they turn out to be. But, you know, they're paying for production. Um, so uh, Shannon Book, I'll I tell you everybody a story. 
And, and I'm going to tell you how awesome some of these, these veterans are. So Shannon book was asked to write a song for gold star moms. And for your listeners that don't know, gold star moms are mothers that have lost a uh, child in combat. So he was asked to write a song for gold star moms. And he, you can find this on uh, YouTube. He wrote a song called dear mom and operation encore helped cover the cost to have the song professionally recorded. And they helped him with the, uh, the budget to make the music video. So I, don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was around $8,000 is what they, they, they spent on the music video and it's on YouTube free for everybody to watch. Again, these artists just, they just want people to see their stuff. They don't want people to, to like it because they're veterans. They, they want people to see it and appreciate it for what it is. It is music that tells a story that somebody went through has actually done and, and can relate to. And and they want you to interpret it and relate it to something in your life. And if you can do that, that's why they want you to like it. They don't want somebody to say, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to support you because you're, you're a veteran. You know, if you don't like it, they, they want you to go like somebody else's music. There's other veterans, other genres. You know, you don't have to just like them. And, and that's what it's about. They're artists, just like anybody else that, that's in the music industry. And when you see these music videos that they have created, it takes me back to those days when I, I remember watching MTV. So that's going to be one of the channels for the, uh, the Roku channel is uh, we're going to have an MMTV and uh, there'll be all different genres as well. Um, and operation encore is going to help us um, with some of those uh, getting some of those videos as well. And then uh we're going to have a, a podcasting channel too. So some of these veterans that are, are doing podcasts, we're going to help them kind of um, step up some of the productions and uh, put them, get them some seasons ahead and uh, they will have their own TV channel as well. And then the big, this is the, the part that I'm excited about um, within the next couple of years. My goal is to create the VMAs. I want to see the, the veteran music awards. That's what I want to see. I want to see them get the, the opportunity to where we're taking um, and having artists that are, you know, already made it. These, these big artists like Zach Brown and, and uh, all these, these George Strait and, and all these artists that were veterans that have already made it and have them be the hosts of, the VMAs and have people voting and give out awards to these unassigned, you know, independent artists that serve their country first. And I think that would be amazing, you know, and, and maybe even at the end of the day, the whole project could go behind raising money for, um, you know, homeless veterans or, or another, you know, maybe each year it changes for another cause that helps the veteran community. And uh, the veterans get an experience that they may not ever get to see. They get that day of the, the fame of walking down the red carpet and some limos to drive up in and to be on the television. And, and they get handed a, a nice award and they get recognized for the hard work of going and grinding 
of going to festival after festival after festival. You know, we have an artist that's on our show or on our station. Her name is Barbara Sim. She has literally gave up everything and took the money that she had and bought a van, uh, one of those uh, transport vans, and has put a bed in it, uh, a little stove, and she lives in it. And she travels the United States going from gig to gig to gig to support herself to be able to to try to make it playing music. And, uh, you know, last year she had drove all the way from South Carolina, all the way down into Texas and, and all the way out to New Mexico, up to an event that Operation Encore had in Alaska. And then I met her in Nebraska after that. And then she went from Nebraska back over to Pennsylvania and down to South Carolina, you know, just playing VFWs and American legions and, and little festivals and fairgrounds and, and anybody that's willing to, to hear her sing. And, and that is the dedication that, that these veterans have of, of trying to make it. And they just want to play music and, and have people hear their, their stories. And some of them's got amazing stories. You know, like I said, Scotty, Scotty Hastings has two purple hearts. He was shot 10 times in Afghanistan and uh, lived, you know? So that's a, there's a lot of good stuff that, that has come from it. I've met a lot of great people from, from doing this. Um, doing this has helped me, helped pull me out of a very dark spot. Uh, you know, so I know if it's helped me, it's, it, it can help others. And I think it's, you know, I don't even think it has to be veteran related. You know, it, it, you look through the United, United States and, and there's a mental health, you know, crisis in our country. And I do firmly believe that. And uh, I think, uh, I think just a little bit of neighborly care and a little bit of people taking the time to listen to each other and understand each other. Um, could go a long ways. We just all got to do our part. Absolutely. So ladies and gentlemen, please do your part. If you know a veteran artist or podcaster or anybody that that, that might want to get in contact with Donald or if you want to check out the the show and everything that they're up to, the organization that shows support, please do so. Please follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. If you have any guests or suggestion topics, see Jackson102 at Cox.net is the place to send them. As always, thank you for listening. And Donald, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your amazing story and your vision for your organization. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I had a great time. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.